You've landed yourself on episode 235, which is the place to be if you have gut or digestive problems, feel like you're living on medication or feel gross after eating because we carry on this conversation as a part two of a deep dive into gut health and digestive dysfunction. And in this episode, we cover the relationship between vegan, plant-based and alkalizing diets and stomach acid problems as well as the relationship between anti-anxiety medication and drugs for depression and gut dysbiosis, as well as the relationship with flavor and taste satisfaction and managing sugar cravings and insulin and blood sugar problems, as well as the consumption of the obvious gut-destructive foods like highly refined sugar and carb foods that basically ruin your life and your gut in the process. There's so much stuff in here that will be useful immediately upon listening. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? It's me and it's you, and we're here for part two with nutrition therapy practitioner Daniel Hamilton jamming on gut health and digestion. But before we do dive in with the snorkel well attached, which is definitely not what Rose and Jack did, in 2023, it's my mission to coach 500 people to stop the binge eating and savage self-talk cycle so they can lose weight whilst feeling in control and without restriction along the way which you might feel is a little too good to be true, but I'm confident that the very vast majority of my clients would tell you they don't feel restricted or deprived at all. In fact, we have no stigma around quote-unquote healthy or bad foods, and there's no list of foods that you can't have. So if you want that kind of freedom, then come and join us. I'll pop a link in the show notes for you to get in touch to see if the work that we do is a good match for the health goals that you have. So there's lots of juicy stuff from Danny in this second half of our conversation. And if you want to start at the beginning, feel free to bounce back to episode 233 to catch the first half of this amazing gut health digestive masterclass. Uh, All right. For those wanting gut repair and answers to solve their gut digestive and poop problems. Well, ready, set, go. I was going to ask, um, you mentioned there the, the vegan, the history of a vegan diet. And there's, mm. there's obviously this narrative out there uh, in the world and it's been there for a long time for reasons to do with cancer and, and lots of different things. But people that move towards an alkaline diet or only eat alkaline, alkalizing foods. Um, and in my experience, the plant-based people often have spent a lot of time trying to alkalize their body on this belief system that... Um, which may or may not be correct, depending on the individual, but that, yeah, alkalizing the body is going to put it in a healthier state or prevent cancer or kill cancer. But yeah, when we're putting in such neutralizing foods into the stomach acid, if we're neutralizing the acid with plant-based, you know, only as the diet, then where, yeah, we come back, we see some people come back around to be like, oh, I tried to eat meat again and my body, it just didn't agree with me. So I must be a natural vegan or I must be, you know, I must be meant to eat this way. I know that because chicken doesn't feel good anymore. Um, when we've actually just neutralized over years, possibly uh, the stomach acid to the point that it's so incredibly low. Yes. And the nutrient deficiencies. So remember the B12 yeah. and zinc are needed to make stomach acid. So those are common deficiencies on a plant-based diet. So that's further like lowering yeah. their stomach acid. And then we talked about the fats. Vegan diets are typically 
generally lower fat diets. And Mm -hmm. so we're not getting that fat digestion. So they eat a chicken or steak and they think that, oh, exactly what you said. Like, I'm just not meant to eat this anymore. It doesn't feel good in my body. And it's because your body is not used to digesting that type of food. It takes a lot of digestive fire, but it's actually easy for the body to process sort of in the intestines than some plant foods. So Mm -hmm these foods are super nourishing and can give us back that ability. But sometimes we need that bridge of supplements to help us temporarily. If we've sort of reduced, like we need the B12 and zinc, but we don't have it. But in order to get it, we need to like, we need to supplement, (laughs) you know, sometimes we need to get these things back in our diet um, in order to be able to turn that digestive fire back on. So that's a really great point. And it just because you can't tolerate it doesn't mean that you're not meant to eat it. It's that you have to work your way up and get your body used to these things. The same thing with fat too. Like some people are starting a keto diet and they're like, oh, I'm just going to eat 80% fat. And it's like, whoa, if you were eating 20% fat before, maybe jump up to 30 or 40 and then 40 or 50. And then, you know, like work your way up slowly. I think we as humans were like, I want to feel now. Uh, I want to feel better. I want to feel better now. So I'm going to just make all these changes now. I am the perfect example of this. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just saying, (laughs) hey, I'm this way too. I started keto with a three-day water fast. I was severely hypoglycemic. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm the person I'm talking to. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So if you're, you know, I'm just saying you y'all are in good company, but learn from my mistakes (laughs) and go slowly. The body likes slow changes. And we also have to change over all our gut bacteria too. So if we're eating a standard American diet, if we're eating, you know, we're not eating a ton of vegetables, if we're, you know, not eating a ton of meats, our whole system is not ready for all of that. So making slow changes that are also sustainable will really help you not only keep the habit, but also help your body adjust to it. Like people have gone to the hospital for for like changing their diets too quickly because even starting keto too quickly, I've had people do this. They call me, they're like, I was just in the emergency room. I tried to start keto, but like I had a really bad gallbladder attack. It's like, just, I'm not saying this to scare anybody, but I'm just saying like, go slowly. There's no rush and your mm-hmm. body is going to thank you for just going a little bit slower. One tweak a week, as we always say here. Love that. <laughs> Love that. I need to yeah. use that in my group. <laughs> this has been awesome, Danny. Like there's so much great information here. I'm curious, just mentioning being in hospital with the gallbladder stuff is yeah. with people that don't have a gall- gallbladder, do, are, they, are they required to be on supplements forever type thing? Or is that like... Um, something we can bring back naturally with that slow process of exposure? So some people, from what I hear, some people do okay because they're like the valves, the the vessel sort of makes this like pouch. And so you sort of get this like faux gallbladder because the liver is producing the bile. But in my experience, what I see, if you want to be a person who's eating at regular mealtimes, which is much better for our blood sugar, metabolic health and digestive health and autophagy and circadian rhythms and hormones, like if you want to be a person who eats at regular mealtimes and you don't want to be eating little bits throughout the day because that's all the bile you have, like you just have a little bit at a time, I, it's my feeling that supplementation for life to replace this missing organ 
will be really, really beneficial. That's not medical advice. That's just, um, you know, please work with a practitioner or someone before you start supplementing. Hashtag disclaimer. (laughs) Hashtag disclaimer. Uh, But yeah, we learned in nutritional therapy school that um, people without a gallbladder usually will need to supplement for life to replace the missing bile because the gallbladder is not an optional organ. It's not, you know, the appendix is much more optional than the, you know, it doesn't have that much of an impact on our digestion as the gallbladder does. It's hugely important. And so, yes, um, there are, you know, some people will just sort of break down their meals and eat smaller meals because that's all they can digest at the time. But then your digestive system is constantly having to work. And we need to remember that every time we eat, it is a slightly inflammatory event. So if you look at a food sensitivity panel, what they're measuring is the amount of inflammation that a certain food causes you. So all foods cause like this low level of inflammation, and then some foods will cause you quite a bit of inflammation. So keeping that in mind, every time you eat, it's sort of an inflammatory process. You get the whole um, metabolic system going with the, you know, you get insulin. And so not that insulin is terrible. Of course, we need insulin and of course we need to eat, but eating so many times a day, I just find is not going to get you the results that you want for your, uh, for weight loss, for metabolism, for digestion. So yeah, that's sort of where I stand on that. And in, in relation, you just touched on insulin there in relation to how this then impacts, because you said you've, you've been in the world of blood sugar and, um, insulin and diabetes and that type of thing. Where is the crossover here? Like this is obviously really important because we need to get healthy food into into people um, and make sure they're absorbing all of their nutrition. What's the relationship between this digestive uh, dysbiosis or problems that are going on for people and then blood sugar problems and diabetic issues? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So first, since our blood sugar is and our, I, I talk about blood sugar a lot. I kind of say it like that, but I'm, I'm really talking about our metabolic health, right? Our metabolic health, our metabolism, our blood sugar, insulin, it is powered by nutrients. We need to be able to break down food properly and absorb these nutrients in order to stabilize our blood sugar. So things like B vitamins, vitamin D, magnesium, and chromium are important vitamins and minerals that are really helpful for our blood sugar levels. So if we don't have enough stomach acid, once again, we can't get the B vitamins, we can't absorb the magnesium, the chromium. So we're going to impact that. If we have poor fat digestion, we're going to have a difficult time assimilating all these fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin D, which is essential for our metabolic health. If we don't break down our food well or if we eat inflammatory foods, then the intestines won't be able to absorb all those nutrients. So that's going to interfere with the absorption piece. Um, So if we're eating a lot of these processed foods and things, if we eat foods we're sensitive to, we can also drive a stress response in the body. And that's going to drive up cortisol that raises our blood sugar, that stresses out our adrenals. And our adrenals are one of the major organs of blood sugar regulation. If we have... um, If we have to avoid fats because we can't digest them properly or we don't have a gallbladder, this is going to set people up for having so many carbohydrates, way more than they can tolerate. And so um, oftentimes people who can't digest fats properly have intense sugar cravings. 
And so they're giving into these sugar cravings. They have these blood, blood sugar highs and lows. So we need fat digestion in order to digest these fats to stabilize our blood sugar for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then if we can't digest protein properly, protein is the most satiating macronutrient. So if we're not going to feel satiated, we're probably going to feel snackish, right? So I personally prioritize eating protein first on my plate. I eat my protein until I can't take another bite of protein because that's how much protein my body needs. And that prevents me from overeating later. Even if I skip that at one meal, I'm like, I don't, I'll just do two eggs. It's 12 grams of protein. It's fine. I eat so much protein. It's going to be fine. Two hours later, I want a snack without fail, right? We have to be able to digest our proteins to feel satiated, to not want to overeat other macronutrients, which usually are carbs. And then if we don't digest properly, we're going to drive that dysbiosis in the gut. And we know that certain strains of gut bacteria are really, really important for optimal metabolic health. And usually when we're overeating foods, we're not digesting well, we are pushing that that bacterial balance to not be optimal for our metabolic health. So in all of these areas, and I mean, these are just some that I could just think of off the top of my head, but the, the digestive system is such an important foundation for optimal blood sugar, and it can be a lot of times a missing link. Um, I think I mentioned at the beginning, some people are like, I, I just can't get into ketosis. And it's because they're not breaking down their fats properly. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's crazy. And then once they do, they get on fat digestive supplements. They help um, their liver uh, put on some castor oil packs, eat some bitters, um, get some apple cider vinegar going. Boom, they get into ketosis. It's like, it's crazy, but you don't think about it. It's just like more fat, more fat. But sometimes the answer is digest the fat, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, there's been, uh, um, I'm not sure if you've seen any of these studies, but there's been a, a bunch of studies th- studies done by some evolutionary biologists that were learning about the eating patterns of a range of different animals um, from humans all the way down to locusts. And they found that no matter what, uh, the, the which species it was, that they would overeat carbohydrates in order to hit a protein quota. And so... I love that you said, you know, finish all of the protein that you sort of intuitively want and need until you, you want to stop because it research shows that if it's like eating, you know, if we eat potato chips or deep fried food that has actually no uh, protein in it, the reason that we can go well beyond overeating, we feel stuffed, we feel overwhelmed, our digestion's got this massive load of carbohydrates to process is that we're still like looking for the protein instinctively our sort of nutritional wisdom if you like is seeking that protein and that's across a range of species of animals that do that that's so interesting and i definitely want to get that study from you because that would make a really good uh instagram post Um, (laughs) but (laughs) my brain thinks in instagram posts but yeah that's it's super important and i think it's like you don't see people overeating protein and the only place that you do, the only time I I personally am familiar with this is in the episode of Friends when Joey eats too much turkey and he gets the meat sweats. <laughs> the meat sweats. It's real. The meat it's sweats, real. Right? And it's like peop, you don't overeat protein. Like you'll eat meat and you're like, I'm just done. I'm just done. 
we don't have that cutoff for potato chips. We don't have that cutoff yeah. for cookies and for even sweet potato. I could overeat a sweet potato. Give me, give me five sweet potatoes. I will down them, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> can you tell why I'm a blood sugar person? Totally. So, totally. yeah. So, you know, we overeat these carbohydrates and we're not, especially when they're paired with fats, it's like this energy that we're just getting. So I think that to turn off that response is to focus on eating those proteins and of course, digesting them. And one of the things I really want to call out is just, I've seen this too often is that I can't tell you the number of clients that I see who are on um, anxiety or depression medications and lack stomach acid. That Mm -hmm. connection is so huge in my practice and I see it as they can't digest protein. So they're probably intuitively a little bit under eating it because just like I said, you sort of lose that taste for meat because if they were to eat that enough protein, it would feel too heavy for them. So they're intuitively under eating it a little bit and the little that they're eating, they're not breaking down. So they don't have those raw materials, those amino acids to build the neurotransmitters. I see it constantly. So If you're a person listening to this and you're like, oh, I related to those low stomach acid symptoms and I'm on, you know, anti-anxiety medications or struggle with depression or something, Mm there is a link there for sure. And I just want people to be aware of it. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I I think I'm really big on as well calling out that kind of stuff because whilst Western medicine, it should be a useful pit stop. Um, and we end up sending people to this pit stop for their entire life, which then worsens symptoms because of the nutritional deficiencies and all of the things that come off the back of that, which your doctor is very, very rarely ever going to even think about, consider, um, or send you to someone that's that's going to help. So I think, yeah, the work that you're doing, Danny, and people in this space that are like, there's a link there and medicine's not bad, but it should just be a temporary little you know, stop in the journey before you fix everything else. Mm. Um, oh, it's incredible. I see that stuff all of the time. I have a lot of people with my cancer background that come through, um, with cancer stuff and there's just so much nutritional deficiency based on the very hardcore chemo and radiation, which is, you know, in many Mm -hmm. cases, not all, but in many necessary part of the process. But if we stop there, 
how is the body ever going to rebuild itself after such toxic treatment? You know, it's like, where's the nutrition? (laughs) Exactly. And the one thing I love about supporting digestion and if, you know, in my programs and with my clients, I give them a lot of, if we're working on some supplements and dietary strategies, I really, really focus on digestion first because when you support your digestion, you extract more nutrition out of every single bite of food. So we don't need to, you know, give you tons of like multivitamins and supplements for this and that. I like to start with approaching supporting, they're called like foundational supports. So it's like supporting the organs of your body to do what they do best. Mm -hmm. So you can enhance the functioning of your body to actually optimize how you you function and how you feel. And so I think it's a really cool hack if you know how to do it. Um, if you know how to do that well, to really just get the more bang for your buck out of every single bite of food. And we can all use that because the soils are so depleted. Like our foods are so depleted. They travel from Australia to Florida to, to get there. It's like how many nutrients where our food is deficient in nutrients as it is. Mm -hmm. And so if we are not digesting very well, I mean, we are just going to be so, so, so nutritionally depleted and we want, and then all the toxins and we we're not detoxing properly. And then we just, we wonder why we're tired, right? Like we should feel good. We should feel energized. We shouldn't feel like we have to take a nap all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So we want to call out those things also that like, are these, these normals, like, are you a person who is having caffeine to wake up, having a muffin to power your way through your mid morning crash, and then going to lunch and getting a second coffee and then having a granola bar in the afternoon because you're crashing again or an energy drink. And then you need something to wind down at night. So you need a glass of wine, but then you can't sleep. So you take a sleeping pill. Like this is a lot of people's normal, probably not the people who listen to this show, but, and, you know, taking ibuprofen because they're in pain, like, are we just masking all of these things or can we listen to these symptoms and learn to interpret what they are? So one of the biggest things I like to do is help people interpret the symptoms of their body. Like, what is my poop telling me? Like, what, what is it saying? Like, what does this afternoon headache mean? And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's the coolest thing that I learned in nutritional therapy school is to like understand all these little symptoms of low stomach acid and blood sugar issues, because they're all things that we experience on a regular basis. And if we know what they mean, we can know how to treat them. And then I I think that is the ultimate power is to know what your body's asking for and to be able to give it. And yeah, yeah, I think that's just amazing. And the last thing I want to say that is totally not related, but it just was a thought that I had today as I was making, um, I was making meat stock, which is just really, really healthy. So a lot of people know bone broth, but meat stock is actually even more healing for the gut and easier to digest for a lot of people. It's lower in histamine. So it's cooked for less time in like a crock pot or in a, in a pressure cooker. And it's, um, meat that's still on the bone. So you get, it's not just the bones. It's a lot of the meat and like the knuckles and whatever the cartilage and, and skin and stuff like that. Delicious. Um, So yeah, sounds gross, but I was, I was making this and it's like, gosh, this is such a healing, healing food. So amazing for your gut. And I just thought what an incredible privilege this is to be eating this healthy food. Like so many people, first of all, don't know that that is like 
so healthy and so good for them. Mm-hmm. And not only do I have the privilege of knowing it, I have the privilege of being able to afford to eat this way. And I just want to say that, you know, everyone's out there. Times are tough. We're doing all the best we can. But eating healthy for those of us who can afford any sort of healthy food is such a privilege. And I think sometimes we really lose sight of that. We think, oh, you know, I have to eat this and everyone gets to eat, you know, the ice cream or everyone gets to eat the pizza and I can't eat like that. It's like, it is such a privilege to be able to eat this way. And I just, I don't know. I just felt called to share that today. (laughs) No, thank you for sharing that. I think that's like reframing uh, access to healthy food uh, from a standpoint of gratitude is so important. And I think the other missing piece, and I want to do a a whole podcast series on this piece, is that the reason that people are often envious of the people that get to eat the pizza or, and I hear this all the time too, like, I just want to be normal like everybody else. And normal is not particularly healthy. It's overweight, it's blood sugar problems, it's heading down the path of cancer, diabetes, that type of thing. But what they're saying Mm. is I really want to be able to eat the food without consequence. And the reason that we're called towards those food is often because of the flavor experience. And so if we actually get food literate, with herbs and spices, because uh, over the last 150 years, we've massively diluted the natural flavor of natural food, whole real food. And so if we get really, really good with herbs and spices, and there are tons of companies where you just buy it and use it, you don't have to think, right? If you actually make your food super tasty, like I'm at the point now, and it took me a while to learn how to do it, but where literally everything I cook is so yummy. I don't even think about pizza. It doesn't even compare. And I think the flavor piece, if people get the flavor of their healthy food to a point where they're like, oh my God, this is so good. I love having this. Then you won't want to actually have the pizza. You won't even think about it. You'll just be like, have your pizza. Like, this is so good. (laughs) Maddie, that experience happened to me. I was in Boulder, Colorado, and there's so many gluten-free restaurants there. So they're very, very food forward. I mean, you could get anything. And I've been gluten-free since 2012. And Mm so my favorite food before I changed my diet to paleo and then keto and then whatever it is now, I loved pancakes. I was like, I... I went to Argentina, study abroad, came home. My mom's like, we can go anywhere. What do you want to get? I'm like, bring me to a diner. I want pancakes. So I'm in Boulder, Colorado. They have gluten-free pancakes on the menu. They look so good. I see it on another table. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting pancakes. I'm so excited. I have these pancakes. They were so underwhelming and they were good. They were like, they tasted like real pancakes and I'm having them. And I'm just like, I don't want this. And I look across at the table and my friend was eating this beautiful orange sweet potato with an egg on top with this deep, rich yellow yolk that was like runny, pouring out over it, a piece Mm. of bacon, avocado. I was like, can I have yours? (laughs) Like that is so much better to me now. And I, it's, it's almost like, I can't believe that this sugar loving cereal pancake loving kid inside of me is like, oh my gosh, I don't even like that stuff anymore. Like it's not the same as it used to be. Like it used to be like, oh my gosh, this was the best thing ever. Like cinnamon toast crunch. It's like, oh my gosh. But now it's like, it, it also doesn't even feel good. Like I had, I had a cereal. I also used to love cereal and I had this company sent me, it was a paleo cereal. It was gluten-free, glyphosate free, organic, GMO free, everything free. It was made with cassava. I had a steak. I had green beans. So I had my fat, protein, and fiber before I had my cereal and I had just the recommended serving size. 
I ate three quarters of a cup and I was like, all right, let's see what it does to my blood sugar. My blood sugar spiked to 168 in millimoles. That is 9.3. Whoa. I've never seen my blood sugar that high in my life. And at the very peak of the spike, do you know what my brain started thinking? What? It was like, go get more cereal. Do we yeah. have chocolate? Go buy ice cream. I was like, what the hell? Who is even saying this? So I went for a power walk for 30 minutes, got it back down. But it was crazy. It's just such a different experience now. And once you get those foods out of your system, your palate changes you yeah. learn how to cook foods with lemon zest and lime zest. If your food just doesn't taste good, I learned this from a chef. Put some zest on it. Ooh, amazing. People historically undersalt their food, get a really good quality salt. My personal favorite is Redmond's Real Salt. Salt your food to taste. Like, use a good salt that doesn't taste like pungent. And like salt your food, use the herbs, use the spices, use the zests and like use fat. Fat makes food taste amazing. Yes. So it's like you have all the recipes for all the things. So, yeah, I, I love this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking about bone broth and meat broth before, one of the things that yeah. I do and I encourage some people to do if they're not, if they don't really want the fat or a high fat concentration in their bone broth each day is that once it um, cools down after you've cooked it, you take all the fat off the top and then you put it in the freezer and then you just pull out the bits that you need to cook with. So you're not, you get rid of the vegetable oils because that's just basically, you know, death juice. Um, and yeah, you just pull pull these out of the freezer. They're a lot more tasty. They've been, we've been cooking that way for arguably thousands of years. Um, and so, yeah, it pulls all the natural flavors out of those, uh, the meats that you're cooking and the food that you're cooking. So I'm totally down with that. I Amazing, love this conversation huh? too. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> it took a turn, but a good turn. Love it. Oh, now all I want is steak and avocado. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I had that for breakfast this morning. So well, <laughs> it's like almost breakfast time for me. Yeah. <laughs> so where can everybody find you online and everything you do and all of your amazingness? Where can we send people? Yeah. So I hang out a lot on Instagram. Like I said, Danielle Hamilton Health. That's also my website, DanielleHamiltonHealth.com. And my podcast, like you said at the beginning, is Unlock the Sugar Shackles. And I do have, if you're interested in this digestion stuff, if you're sort of relating to what we're saying, I do have a new course coming out in April. So it'll come out in the end of April. It's called Optimize Your Digestion for Low-Carb Diets. You don't have to be on a low-carb diet to do it, but um, it is going to give those special um, that special help for people who are eating basically proteins and fats to be able to digest those. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be a really comprehensive online program to help you address all those issues that we were talking about earlier in your digestion, heal your gut and just feel better and just get more out of the the healthy diet that you're already eating. Cause I hear from so many people, no matter what diet I try, I just don't feel well. And it's like, yeah. maybe it's time to, to lift the hood. Like you go to a mechanic and they don't tell you just change the, just change to premium fuel. They lift the hood and they look at what, things are going like what's going on. So when we can understand the digestive organs and what they're telling us, we can see what, where the breakdown is happening so we can address it. And it's amazing how much better you can feel and how quickly too, how much more energy you get because you're getting more nutrients. So it's such a cool process. So I'm really excited to bring that program to light. 
Amazing. And if you don't listen to this show, uh, you know, around the time that it comes out, don't worry. Uh, Danny's links will still all be down in the show notes below so you can get your hands on all of the goods. Hang out with her on Instagram. She has a phenomenal Instagram page. Um, And so if you've enjoyed this episode, then you know anybody that's having this kind of discomfort or experience with their digestion, please share it with that friend or family member and use us as the intermediate to communicate what what they need because we never really listen to our family members. So use us to start that conversation. Um, So before we wrap up, of all of the amazing stuff that you've shared here and that you just know in general about life, what is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about or that you wish that people leave with today? Oof. Um... It's a, it's a toss up between stomach acid. I'm, I think I'm going to go, go further root cause. Um, I've been wearing this heart rate monitor and it connects to this app on my phone. It's called Hanu and it's, it's your HRV. It's your heart rate variability. And I just am seeing how important it is to breathe correctly, to breathe into your stomach and that can help you see, um, here's, if you're watching uh, in a video, this is my heart rate variability live. So I can take some deep breaths and it can improve. And so this is so important because our nervous system state is so foundational to how we function, because not only do we digest in the rest and digest state, but we also detoxify. That's where our blood sugar rebalances. That's because if we're in a sympathetic state, our blood sugar is being pumped up because we're getting stress hormones. So getting into this rest and digest state more is so important for every single aspect of our health. And it is also the area in which I struggle the most. And so I'm saying this again, like I need all the stuff that I tell people. (laughs) This is just a discovery of like, Hey, look what helped me. And now I'm going to tell you guys, (laughs) or like, this is what I need to work on. Can you help me and give me some accountability? So, um, but yeah, the, the piece of taking a few deep belly breaths before we sit down to eat, taking, you know, doing a minute of breath work in a day, it actually helps my HRV at night. And so I wake up feeling more refreshed. It's amazing what just one minute of deep breathing into your belly through your nose will do for your health. And I think that we're so stressed out as a culture and we forget that our our state of normal, at least mine certainly is, is this, this, revved up state. Like I'm in this revved state, like ready to go. And I don't know what it feels like. And we don't know what it feels like to actually feel calm. So I had people on my webinar the other day, take deep breaths with me. And after everyone was like, Oh my gosh, I feel so different. I feel so calm. So if you're listening to this, just take some deep breaths with me and you're going to feel so different. I feel so chill. And you're like, Oh, I have the power to do that anytime. So I'll leave you with that. Fantastic. Thanks so much for being here and hanging out and sharing all of your amazing wisdom. Um, And I hope to have you back again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks everyone for listening. See you, Danny. Bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much. And I'll see you on the next episode. 
Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavor to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.